Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for April 2nd. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we talked to John Krangle, FFA advisor and BOAG instructor at Bismarck High School in Hot Spring County, about adapting to at-home online instruction during the coronavirus crisis. And we speak to Jay and Valerie Lee of JV Farms near Bismarck about the adjustments they're making to their direct-to-consumer sales operation. We also catch up with Randy Arnold, a strawberry grower near Alma, who is facing uncertainty because his business relies heavily on providing produce to schools and a U-Pick operation. Finally, we have part one of a special interview with John Anderson, Chair of Agricultural Economics and Agribusiness at the University of Arkansas Bumpers College, who explains the challenges facing the livestock market. First, Ken Moore spoke with John Krangle of Bismarck High School about what school closures and online instruction have meant for his FFA and VOAG students. I'm Ken Moore on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. I'm speaking with John Krangle. John is the FFA advisor and VOAG instructor at Bismarck High School in Hot Spring County. And we're going to be discussing the uh, challenges that uh, of vocational agriculture instructors like John and many others across the state of Arkansas are facing uh, with schools being closed and students having to uh, do their coursework from home. Uh, they're having to use uh, online media to connect with their students now instead of having in-classroom instruction. And, uh, John, thanks for talking with us just a few minutes. We'll talk about that. And then here, before we let you go, we're going to talk about how this uh, staying home environment, this social uh, distancing, if you will, is going to force uh, the state of Arkansas to delay and maybe uh, have to uh, reschedule the all-important FFA convention that I know you your chapter and many others across the state uh, look forward to every spring. The first, uh, what uh, what challenges are you facing? I know you uh, have you're allowed to go up to the school there at Bismarck High for just a little bit of time every week and try to connect with your students uh, online. How's that working out for you? Well, it's a it's a learning process, uncharted territory, as, as we're calling it, you know, and that's just like for everybody. And and it's I just sat through an hour and a half Zoom meeting with all our high school faculty this afternoon, actually, um, trying to figure out how we can best reach our students and engage them in quality education with, you know, trying to keep up with all the the, the governor's memos and everything and what's as times are changing, um, one of our big struggles is is we're such a rural area and so spread out in our school district. Um, not only do we have the issue of poor cell phone reception for students to have access, but just, um, you know, like one of the policies that, that our county wanted to make sure was pushed at State Farm Bureau Convention was for instances like this is rural uh, areas as ourselves having broadband internet issues and and our students don't have access to that in a lot of places where they're located as well let alone the cell phones so um, you know how do we you you come up with great ideas like doing a virtual field trip or something or, or getting a, a a zoom meeting or something set up with industry leaders we've had industry leaders reach out um, to to talk about career opportunities and, and give valuable information to our students still, you know, you kind of scratch your head at times. How do you do that given the, the, the tools that we have to work with and limited access that so many of our kids have? So it's... Yes, sir. You know, it, That's it's a problem. Something. We know that. And, uh, you know, that is a legislative issue that uh, we've been dealing with for the last uh, several years now. We know that there has been some funding in the most recent farm bill, the 2018 farm bill, and now it's, that's a priority issue uh, in Washington with our congressional delegation and all others from rural states uh, is expanding uh, broadband access. And, of course, that doesn't relate just to uh, students in uh, their school instruction, but that's uh, across the board, whatever you're talking about.
telemedicine. Right. You're talking about health care and all these other issues right. in rural areas that are underserved. And so with that in mind, uh, how are the students able to uh, effectively do their coursework and get credit for it? So we that's what part of what we met about today is is we provide paper copies so you have to get creative where we can post stuff to Google Classroom, um, our elementary school and middle school, they're posting things to private Facebook pages, videos and tutorials. Um, we'll be recording next week. We're going to do um, video instruction uh, for our high school students and posting, basically making YouTube videos and uploading them to our students' classrooms on Google Classroom, but then we still have to reach out in some sort of paper format or something. Um, we have a drop-off point. We're literally going to have um, an old newspaper um, machine that the Malvern Daily Record's going to let us use, and we're going to set it out in front of our high school, and, and that's a drop-off point for students to, to turn in their packets, and, and then there's, a, there's certain time frames during the week that we'll have school faculty that'll be there to pass out their new packets that they need for the, the week to come. And we're just kind of like everybody else. We're just trying to survive one day at a time. And that's one thing I've always been taught in college is, is you're going to be a teacher is monitor and adjust. And, you know, my gosh, we're, we're learning how to do that very quickly, whether we were ready to or not right now. So, yeah, you are, and, and and your colleagues all over the state of Arkansas are doing the same thing, and it, it is a challenge. This is unchartered territory that we've been in here for the last couple of weeks, and, it, and for what it looks like now, uh, waiting for the virus concerns to peak, uh, you may be in this environment all the way through the month of April into the month of May. And, and that's, uh, from a state level, that's, that's um, affected us in more than one way. You know, we we were days away from hosting all three of our state district uh, judging team events, our, our CDE teams. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, now we've coming into, we're missing our state CDEs. And, and, and we've already had to postpone state convention, as you said, so trying to <coughs> excuse me trying to cover all those areas so we can still have state champions that go on to compete for our state at, at national events and everything in the fall and and uh but I'll say this with with all this that's that's happened uh, ag teachers I like to think are very outside the box thinkers along with you know other teachers as well but we tend to be very outside the box thinkers and everybody's a little different in their thinking and the resources that have been made available just to ag teachers is, is just astronomical um, my emails have probably doubled from what they normally were stuff I get in every day about here's a new resource uh, here's a company willing to do zoom meetings and, and talk about their industry that you could use in your classroom um, resources, uh, different uh, educational entities have allowed, hey, we're giving you um, free, here's three free instructional resources that you can use to post for, um, you know, everybody's Zoom meeting here lately. If, you, if you're a, a school person, they've uncapped the, where you're not capped, uh, locked in that 40-minute Free, for the free, now we have unlimited access where we can try to engage with our students that way and other teachers that way. I've got at least one Zoom meeting every day this week with different entities just trying to stay ahead of the game and, and, and think outside the box and communicate with one another to, to reach out to our kids as much as possible and because it is such a hands-on learning through ag education. And, how do we keep that going? I mean, we've got, we had major problems across the state of schools had um, greenhouses. They're getting ready for their plant sales. Um, 
they've got a greenhouse that's full of plants and so now we're trying to figure out how do we do that without our our kids to to still keep our organization funded um you got this time of year it's time for teachers to be buying animals and helping kids get ready to buy animals or maybe the kids are are, are raising their own animals and they're being born right now for the upcoming show season how do we uh, handle those situations so, right down the road center point high school they had uh, a whole freezer full of meat from their they have meat slab that their students yes. work and and you know they the teachers had to come together and basically do the best they could to get the meat processed with uh no students to help assist with that and you know they had customers on the line and lots and lots of schools have went to, uh, FFA chapters have went to uh, uh, auctions benefit auctions where sh- student built projects and donated items you know ours is was scheduled for May 2nd to, and, and we're not going to be anywhere near ready by the time if we get to come back on on April 30th uh, you know we'll or 20th I guess is that we, you know, we won't be anywhere ready in time for that. So coming up with ideas, uh, how do we still do that and try to keep a, a, a nonprofit student led organization funded at the local level as well as the state level. And see, that's again, uh, a challenge and an issue that, uh, chapters and schools all over the state are facing. Uh, and I appreciate your mentioning the funding uh aspect of that uh, you do have all these sales and auctions uh that you're dependent on to fund your organization and your chapter there uh who knows how that's going to all work out but hopefully it will uh in the few minutes we got remaining and again this is this is impacting everything uh on the high school level uh and not just high school but at all levels of school but i think of high schools with the end of year activities uh, and then even commencement programs that you would typically have early to mid-May, uh, those who knows when those are going to be conducted and where they can if we still have this concern about social distancing in three to four weeks. Right, and 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 I've talked to different teachers, and and you know I had a student teacher from SAU this semester, and so I've been kind of kept in the loop on at at that level of of education, how how does that look? And I don't think anybody has any specific answer. It's everybody trying to figure out how to, to take care of their students in the best way that they know how. And and we're, we are such a, a rural state, and, and, and then you have highly higher populated areas, and then you drive anywhere across the state and see the, the variations in it. And I think that looks a little bit different for every school district, depending on, on all sorts of factors. To, to how do you best accommodate your students and still, you know, give them what they've worked all these years to accomplish, be it graduation or, or, or whatever. What about the convention? And it's not just logistics in the sense of re- setting a new date for the students to come back together, but when you get into the summer months, uh, students tend to scatter, and then you've got to get prepared for students to attend the uh, national FFA convention later in the year. And all of these other state conventions have to be conducted in advance of that. New officer teams elected. Uh, and then you've been you, recently, about three, four years ago, uh, the state of Arkansas transitioned to the Hot Springs Convention Center. Well, it's booked with other events throughout the year. And it's going to be a, in a process of trying to reschedule all of those pre-booked events and conventions that are now being postponed uh, at this time. So do you even envision, you know, the state FFA convention being held in the next two to three months? I, so I spoke with, we, Kim, we have a great state staff that, that goes above and beyond for Arkansas education. There's no doubt about that. You can ask any ag teacher, ag teacher in the state and they'll, they'll agree to that statement. Um, they, they are, the driving force and keeping this going and, and they have affirmed to us that we will have a state convention. It might not be conventional, it might not be uh, what 
what you believe what anybody would like for it to look like, but because of recognition of our our state CDE winners, our state LDE winners, um, our our Foundation Plus chapters, and and all these accomplished people, their chapter degrees. You know, you've got seniors that, you know, their last big deal is to walk across stage and get their uh, their their state degree after their chapter degree, and, and that's kind of a, a coup d'état for in FFA for them. Um, you know, we're going to make that happen one way or another. Uh, there, our state staff's currently looking for a, hoping for a June convention. Uh, they've got some different options at the table that they're exploring. Of course, obviously trying to work with the convention center um, and keeping it there. Hopefully, it may be a condensed version. Um <coughs> uh, We've also still got Camp Couchdale that, that is still ours, uh, where if we need to kind of scale down and still able to, to do things, conduct the business we need to do there, uh, we've even explored, a, they're looking at virtual options as well if, if need be. So, you know, the business has to be conducted. Um, our state staff feels that there's been so much already canceled on our kids, you know, that this is their big, it may be, it may be a senior's last state or district judging competition or state convention. It may be a, a freshman or an eighth grader's very first ever. You know, they, they understand the impact of those memories. All of our state staff have been through our organization of FFA and Ag Ed in their high school years. And they, they know what that meant to them and those memories, and, and they're doing their very best to try to let that continue for our kids during this pandemic. John, tell us again, and I meant to ask you this at, at the outset, but to, even though Bismarck is a very small community there in Hot Spring County, you've got an admirable and, and very reputable uh, chapter there. Talk about just briefly about how big your chapter is and, and brag on your kids a little bit. We're we're a 3A school. Um, we've got 225 kids, I think, in the high nine through 12. Um, I've got a, a, a lady, Miss Christina Hain, that that works at middle school, and she teaches uh, Intro to World Ag as the majority of the eighth graders down there. And then um, I offer shop courses and animal science courses at the high school level. We've got a total of, we're typically around 150, 160 uh, members, 8 through 12. Um, we try to be well-rounded as, as possibly can for a, for a small school. Um, you know, I, I have to brag on the students and the fact that we don't have the luxury of a larger school of students being committed to just this organization or that sport or whatever, and, and we share students across the board in all aspects, and, and that's that's something in itself on a small school is is you've got to have um, coworkers that that will work with you and, and you're willing to work with as well in in helping those kids to succeed. We all want them to be involved in our programs. We all want them to be successful, but I think those students being able to be that well-rounded helps make them even more successful in the future. And you know, I I had a uh, an accident spring break of of 2019 that took me out of my classroom for for several weeks and it was we had our 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 benefit auction, our spring auction, and our banquet right up around the corner, and everything, and and I, it makes you feel proud, but it made made me feel kind of like at the time they could do it without me. You know, my my officer team and 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 my students stepped up to the plate. School district stepped up to the plate, and and we had one of the most successful. Uh, auctions and banquets that we've had yet since I've been there. This will be my this is my sixth year there now, and my alma mater at that. So it has a little extra for me to make me proud of them, and and seeing those kids succeed, and and knowing that they can step up and be leaders, and 
they don't have to be standing over them all the time, that, that they can take charge. And, and I think that's what we need more now than ever in, in what we're dealing with is, is those type of individuals and that can step up and take charge and, and not be uh, just kind of following along and, and want to be informed and, and educated and, and make decisive uh, you know, make things, decisions that are not just based on what they see somewhere, but they're actually trying to, to do what's best for them and, and their community. And, and I've just been very blessed um, in, in what we have here and the support, be it administration, be it fellow teachers, parents, community. Um, it's it takes every, you know, they say it takes a, a village to raise a child, and, and then that's what's allowed us to be so successful down here is is just having that village that helps helps those kids and what they're uh, apt to want to become in the future. No doubt about it. Very well said, John, and thank you so much for that. And, and that's true all across rural Arkansas. Uh, there are larger school systems, larger school districts, but I'm really impressed as I get to visit uh, Bismarck High School, Center Point High School, you know, which people might say are kind of out <laughs> in the in the sticks, so to speak. Uh, Bismarck, uh, you know, is a great community, and uh, and you're doing a great job. You've got a Showplace High School right there, and uh, you're doing a lot with what you have to work with, and, and you're all working together, so... Listen, buddy, best of luck to you as we go through this over the next month or so. And uh, we'll be thinking about you and kind of monitoring how all this plays out for all of our FFA chapters across the state. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right, John. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, sir, very much. You and all of your uh, fellow uh, FFA advisors and vocational agriculture instructors across the state of Arkansas. I'm Ken on Moore. Of, Go ahead, John. Yeah. On on behalf of them, I just want to thank Farm Bureau for for all that they do for ag education and 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 help us to be successful for our students as well. That that means a lot to us to have industry individuals such as y'all that that are there to help give us the resources to make our kids successful as well. Well, we're glad to be a partner vocational agriculture all across the state of Arkansas. We support it fully, and uh, we couldn't do what we do without our young people who are going to be uh, our future leaders in the state of Arkansas in agriculture, right? Uh, right, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you for your time. I know you're busy, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again down the road. We've been speaking with John Krangle, the FFA advisor and BOAG instructor at Bismarck High School, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Next, Ken talks to Jay and Valerie Lee of Bismarck, who describe the challenges they're facing with their direct-to-consumer operation. I'm Ken Moore, and today I'm speaking with Jay Lee. Jay and Valerie, his wife, own JV Farms out of Bismarck, a community-supported agriculture enterprise uh, from their farm there outside of Bismarck, Arkansas, in Hot Spring County, and uh, they're having to adjust the way they service their clients, their customers, uh, during this time of social distancing. And, uh, Jay, thanks for talking with me here for a few minutes this afternoon. Uh, just tell me, uh, is it kind of business as usual for you and Valerie there? Or if not, and I'm assuming you've had to make some adjustments, what kind of adjustments have you guys had to make to uh, continue to service your customers? Well, as far as business, uh it's it's very brisk and busy. Uh, people wanting to get their hands on good locally raised food. Uh, we're we've had to change the farmers markets, which is our big avenue that we meet people every week and meet new people. Uh, since they've closed the events where there's you know congregations of people or ten or more, uh, we're 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 readjusting and and what we're doing. Uh, and particularly with us, we're working with uh, another farm, a neighbor farm of ours called Arkansas Natural Produce, where that they uh, were kind of dealt the same curveball. Their markets changed from the aspect with the restaurants closing 
and and sh- slowing down service, um, it put a a, a a hamper for them in getting their their products moved. So we uh, last about ten days ago, we started putting together an online market where that you can go and see what all products we have available, click on the button, place your order, and then we have that to where that you can pick it up here in person at the barn, on the our milk barn at a farm on Fridays or Saturday. Uh, we're doing a pop-up drive-through market. You don't even have to get out of your vehicle. We already have the orders put together. 90% of them have already been paid online, so we don't even have transactions that way. Uh, and it's just to pull up, give us your name, and, and get your order and go. Uh, and then we're offering delivery. It's something we've never done before, but we have folks that don't want to get out and about. And so, you know, basically uh, in the Hot Springs area, if you leave a uh, your ice chest on the porch, we'll come by and put it in your ice chest and then you can gather it from there and, and tend to it. So we're we have had to change. It's it's a definite change in how we're 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 meeting people and, and getting the product to the person. Um uh, and it's also a change in the, the the number of people that are wanting to get these types of products. Um uh, and, and, and that's been an interesting equation also. Well, I know over the years you and Valerie have developed a very loyal clientele. Uh, they've come to expect to see you at the farmers markets. This uh, here it is. We're you're just we're just right kind of on the cusp where uh, you know of the opening, the grand openings as you have. If it was a normal uh, season uh, of farmers markets opening, I think in mid-April and then going through the rest of the summer. Uh, and, and so you have a number of loyal customers that come to expect to see you there. And so, like you just said, you're having to adapt. Uh, do you think you're losing uh, clients that you normally sell to uh, when they look forward to seeing you down there at a, on a Saturday morning? I think what we're where we will lose are the people that are just deciding to to maybe try to eat local and shop local and go to a farmers market where you have that that function of an event and a gathering space where people come and meet and they get to see, you know, farmers bring products from like our farmer's market in Hot Springs that we've attended to. We have uh, Garland County and, and all the counties surround it that there's farmers that come and, and bring their products. And so it's that's going to be the change is how we reach those consumers if we're not able to have this this type of of function or event every week of a, of a gathering of people that's going to be the challenge uh for the farmers that are that are more on the cusp but maybe don't have a an online presence or haven't been in the marketplace and have a, a brand or you know or not or as well as known it's going to be a challenge how those products get moved this year what have you been told by the uh, people that uh, run the uh Greater Hot Springs, Downtown Farmers Market, uh, or even the Bernice Garden Market that I know you drive up to uh, and participate in in Little Rock there on Sundays. Uh, what have you been told by those people about uh, when and if those markets may be opening? Really nothing, and it's not from an aspect that they're not communicating. Nobody knows really, Ken. It's a, it's a, it's, we just really don't know. I think most of us are kind of in hover mode, you know, make the adjustments we have to make, but nobody's getting too long-term. We would hope that this might be able to go back to some normalcy in a, in a month or so. Uh, but if, 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 if it doesn't, if it has a bad break and it becomes a more of an issue with the virus, then, you know, this might be a long-term way we have to do things and, you know, some worst-case scenarios are you have to think a year out. But I don't know. We're we're really trying to stay as flexible and and as limbo as we can uh, dealing with it as it comes because we just every day it seems like it's a changing situation. That it is, and I know you also uh, have relationships and business relationships with some other uh, outlets like the uh, Superior Bathhouse in hot springs where yes, you sir. get brewer's grains for them and 
and you kind of have a relationship, that's an important aspect of getting some grains to feed your hogs that you grow there. Uh, what about that relationship, and is this hindering that at all? Well, it's a, that's that's one of the, the most neat parts about our farm is that we've had some really good long-term relationships in the, the, the restaurant side of the equation. And uh, for us, third, of our annual business that we we kind of steer from the wholesale direction and and it's hurt it, it has that has come to us to a halt at the moment basically um uh, and especially in a town of hot springs where you're very tourist oriented in the flow of people and, and that drives the the economy and uh it's 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 just that has come to a screeching halt uh fortunately uh the 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 other side the the individual the family side has has ramped up the past couple of weeks and seems to be kind of taking that void so you know uh, it, it could be worse uh we're, we we don't like what we're having to do necessarily the the changes but it's for us it's it's been somewhat manageable uh and I, I don't want to speak too far out of turn, but I know with like Arkansas Natural Produce, where they're not they're in the the greens and the the the, the specialty vegetable products, and and they typically were ninety uh, plus percent uh, wholesale, and didn't have the the individual clientele like our operation has, and uh, that's why it's worked good. We've been able to to work together and get some of their products out to our people and uh, add a few more into it. But they were actually hit a lot harder with the stoppage of the restaurant side, and it hurt their books a lot worse than us individually. Uh, but I think they're starting to see some rebound with what we're doing, and a couple of other, uh, the Root Cafe is starting to sell their prepackaged stuff there uh, on South Main, so you can get these same vegetables that we're having here in Greens, the Roots having them for sale, and uh Boulevard Bread stepped up and started offering them as, as you know, takeout type of options. To, instead of the salad, you can get the, the bag of, of salad greens to take home and make your own. So that's helping change how the product flows. Instead of coming out in a meal, it's actually you can get the product to take home and fix something yourself, you know. Well, that's, that's great. And I appreciate your uh, mentioning how you're working and networking with these other producers and and the restaurants i didn't even think about uh, the fact that there's no more dine-in eating at restaurants right now which i know is a great hardship uh in that regard but uh that you're working with the root cafe and, and others uh so that they can still service some people that can get takeout right and uh, yep. they can get locally grown arkansas uh fresh produce absolutely absolutely and that anybody that's in the, the central Little Rock downtown area, uh, the route is a great, uh, they've, they've changed their store. To, they've got a full online menu. You can get all of these products. They'll have frozen meat for sale uh, in the next few days and uh, from different farms, not necessarily our farm. Uh, we're working a similar situation with the Superior Brew House. Uh, there, if, if, if things continue, delivery, and is going to be more of what we all have to do to survive or these pop-ups where, you know, four or five people can be at one spot and, and get their product at one spot. So we're, we're exploring all different avenues. And uh, right now, eating good is, is more important than anything. Indeed it is. And especially in this day, uh, and hopefully this will subside somewhat as this goes on week by week, but, uh, with people going to traditional supermarkets and finding the uh, store shelves uh, somewhat empty, uh, they can depend on locally grown uh, farmers like yourselves uh, to to supply some of that fresh produce and food and uh, or the the local restaurants like that where they can just get it and they know it's produced locally uh, even if they don't uh, you know find it in the supermarket. Right, um, and it's a uh... I was actually concerned. I never, I've never saw myself the other day. We went a week or so ago. We're in Walmart getting a few supplies, and I took pictures of the meat cases, how empty they were, and it was shocking to me uh, to see that happening. Uh, 
But I will say about that, if anybody asks, there's, you know, all of the slowdown on the uh, the restaurant side of the equation with food, they're, they're steadily, the system is steadily moving that around to the, the individual side, and, and we shouldn't see uh, any shortages of food. I, I don't think that's going to be a, a, an, an issue uh we we may all want to stock up a little bit more at times than we than we have been doing. And that's probably what has created some of that the shortage of products. But uh, I think we'll 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 make it through pretty well with the food supply. With that in mind, uh, what type of uh, production uh, season have you and Valerie had there for the first three months of this year uh, with your uh, pork products? I know you also have uh, a wide variety of wide. Uh, selection of meat products through your store or your on-farm store there. Uh, how can people find you there in Bismarck? And uh, if they haven't uh, located you before this, maybe they'll hear this podcast uh, conversation and they'll want to drive down to Bismarck and see what you have to offer. Yeah. Uh, we have a, our on-farm store open and our, my grandparents' old milk barn every Friday at from noon until 5. Um we have an online presence through Facebook and Instagram, uh, JV Farms, uh, JV Farms Homestead. And then uh, we have a website, and it is uh, jvfarms71929.com uh, uh, for Bismarck. And that'll, you can Google JV Farms and find us pretty easy. Uh, the online ordering is kind of the way we're directing people right now because we'll put our inventory on there. We know down to the count what we're going to have, and you can, you know, you click it, it's yours, and it'll be here for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, just like everybody to try to eat good and, and think about supporting their local farmers, because it's a little bit of a conundrum on what we're all going to do the rest of the season. That's a fact. That's a fact. And uh, tell me again, I know they will see uh, what, what you have to offer when they go to the website, but... Uh, you're going to still have a good supply of uh, pork and other meat products there. Yep, yep. We've got uh, we've got a really good supply of pork cuts, anything from cured and smoked, old-fashioned way, hams and bacon's to sausages and maple breakfast links and chops and just about anything in between. Uh, chicken, uh, we're a little bit limited on chicken for the next couple months with this increase in demand. Uh, we we have a farm share where people can sign up to get X amount of meat every month, and uh, that uh, th that has kind of grown, and so we're we're limiting our retail chicken. Uh, we just won't have any of that for a couple of months until we recoup uh, some of the the extras that's left here lately. And but we'll have plenty for our farm shares. And then beef is a, always a popular product, and we're uh, we're. We may run short on beef next month with this increased demand. Uh, we have uh, calves on fixing to be processed, so hopefully we can manage and, and not have any uh, run out. But it, it's 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 interesting the demand that has hit here lately. Uh, and and I was just asked a, a processor earlier this week picking up a load of uh, where we had our pigs processed and bringing that back home. And they're, you know, they're they're almost a year behind now. If you call to get a calf or a pig or something butchered, they're, uh, they're, you're like a year away. The list has gotten so long here recently. So wow. uh, it's it's going to, we're going to have some challenges to get through. And we're telling our clients today, you know, the next couple months, we've got product. But this side of the equation, the small farm sides are, are seeing just a really nice, robust amount of people coming to us, and it's it's kind of pushing all of us to our max for the next couple of months. Well, it's good to be busy, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very much so. Yeah, yes, for sure. And I'm glad to hear you say that. Well, Jay, thank you so much for uh, uh, this conversation, and, and it's good to reconnect with you guys. And uh, Absolutely. Maybe uh, here before too long, I can even make a drive down to Bismarck and and pick up some of that product from you since I know you have a good supply. But, uh, listen, best of luck, and uh, we'll see. I'd like to reconnect and, and find out uh, from you guys uh, when you think the farmer's market's going to be opening up, and we can report on that as well. Cool. That'll be great, Ken. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Jay Lee uh, of 
JB Farms in Bismarck, Arkansas, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Now Greg Patterson talks to Randy Arnold. Arnold grows strawberries near Alma and relies heavily on farm-to-school programs and a UPIC operation, meaning he's not sure how this season will play out with coronavirus closures and social distancing. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this edition of AgCast, talking with Randy Arnold. He's a strawberry farmer, among other things, near Alma in West Arkansas. And Randy, it is strawberry season. It's it's upon us. What's going on with you on your farm right now? Uh, strawberries coming on strong. Some of the earliest we've ever had it. So we are, uh, you know, getting everything prepared for the season to start in about 10 days. So you've got how many acres of uh, strawberries do you grow normally? We have five acres of strawberries. It's <laughs> Kind of gives people seventy an... some seventy five thousand plants. Okay, I was going to say give people an idea right. of what five acres is and seventy five thousand plants. So, do you have any idea? And you and you may may know this down to the pound. Uh, how many pounds of strawberries in a normal season do you do you grow? We we average, uh, you know, figure average is one pound per plant. So that would be somewhere around seventy five thousand pounds of berries. That's incredible. That is incredible. And and tell the listeners kind of how your operation runs as far as, you know, you've got, you're kind of diversified in how that, that five acres of strawberries, where it goes to and who gets it. Uh, yes, we, uh, you know, we have a UPIC, which is a large part of our business. We love to have uh, people out on our farm uh, to get outdoors to educate them about agriculture, how their local food is grown. Uh, we sell to the uh, farm to school program. That's about 25% of my business. And with the schools closed this year, I got to make up for that. Uh, we also have a store on our farm where we sell the berries to the public. And I also uh, sell to uh, some individuals, some other stores, and ship some to Oklahoma City for their farmer's markets and restaurants. Now, you mentioned the uh, Farm to School program, which you've had a tremendous amount of influence and success with taking your berries, I guess, up into uh, the Fayetteville area, northwest Arkansas. The schools are closed, as you mentioned. We're not sure when or if they will open again. and that's, you know, 25% of your market. So obviously you're having to search for a place to, to move those berries to, uh, and, and that keeps you busy. Yes. Uh, I have spoken to several of the school districts I sell to. Uh, you know, if I can get my paperwork done, since we have a certified kitchen, and all uh, some are wanting some frozen berries at a later date. And then we may smaller package some for some schools to put in the sack lunches that they're furnishing kids at this time. Uh, And then we're also now looking to maybe uh, expand into some nursing homes and hospitals right now. Well, obviously the big, the big issue that that we're all paying attention to is the uh, coronavirus, the COVID-19 situation and, and how that's sweeping across the United States. Uh, you've mentioned, obviously, your school market right now. The normal school market you touch um, is not there because of, of uh, school closures. What about other things that you're having to do to deal with this whole COVID-19 situation? But this time, we're just, you know, going ahead day by day since we're not open uh, as usual. I mean, we keep, you know, keep an eye on the help. Uh, when we do open, you know, everything will be sanitized. We're picking in straight into the boxes that people will take now. And, uh, we're going to check our health's temperature every morning. We, we always wear uh, gloves, uh, surgical gloves, change them all the time. We've done that. And uh, hand-washing facilities keep people apart. And then just whatever, you know, at the time, we we will just adjust to what we have to do. Right. And and I've been on your farm during the uh berry picking season and and everything you just mentioned uh except for 
taking the temperatures of of your helpers. Those are standard things you do anyway uh, for for cleanliness and to make sure that that product is safe for consumers. Yes. How about in how about in regards to um, you know farmers markets themselves? Are you hearing uh, you know a lot of times farmers markets are open by now and some may be open as. And, and strawberries are a huge thing for farmers markets. Are these farmers markets uh, in the area that you normally service with berries? Or are they even going to be open? Uh, at this time, I do not know. Uh, our extension agents looking into that for me, okay. and uh, said it probably Monday before we can get back with any information of what they're thinking on the farmers markets. Uh, I say one of my largest customers is out of Oklahoma City, and you know, right now we don't know, you know, uh, what they're going to be able to do also. Right, right. Now, um, the other thing is you have, you know, you picks a big deal for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you envision any issues popping up with that? Well, we will just try to keep people separated, and then when they come to the shed, you know, we'll ask, you know, at the time, stay separated, stay back, only one at a time come into the shed all of our wagons will be sanitized every time you know uh every time someone uses them and uh, they will be required to wear the gloves wash their hands also this year or they are anyway but uh for certain uh, extra precautions this year right right now um a lot of people don't understand that it takes a lot of help uh regardless yes. of what crop you're growing or livestock you're producing and whatnot so and 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 it's across the board on farms um are you having any issues and a lot of that that work that comes in will be um you know from south of the border folks that come in and do that are you having any issues in in getting help uh no i use local uh people and with so many of the restaurants being closed uh, I have abundance of help wanting to pick, you know, to work at this time. Waitresses, well, you know, good. people in, in, the, good, yeah. in the food market. I, you know, that is one thing. I have abundance of help that I can get when I need it. Outstanding. Now, you also mentioned earlier, and I've I've been to your store, and it is really wonderful. It's right up there on the highway leading into your farm, and has some great fresh products. You've got fresh breads that come down from. Uh, bakeries up in northwest Arkansas. You've got your strawberries. You've got that wonderful frozen strawberry jam recipe that you do and other products. Um, how are you going to deal with your store? Well, I mean, we, you know, we're, we're going to try to suggest that people, when they have, have gloves before they enter, uh, food service gloves, if they want to put them on, you know, we'll keep things wiped down. Uh, that is something that, you know, we just have when it when we get open uh, in two weeks, probably is when we'll open the store, see where we're at at the time, and then we'll adjust, uh, you know, at that. Uh, we also sell our own beef in the store, and we're already getting demands for that uh, when we open. So uh, we're we're trying to maybe even double up, have more ready when we open the store uh, processed. So, so what you're telling me, and you 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 said this earlier. Farming is a tremendous challenge in and of itself to begin with. And you're having a whole bunch of other hoops that you are preparing for uh, that you're going to have to jump through, and you'll probably have some other surprises that come up that you don't even know are coming. Yes. Uh, You know, the uncertainty is always in farming with the weather, uh, the market. uh, You know, my strawberries and market price doesn't affect, but with cattle and and other things it does in uh, in grains, farmers in the grain market. But uh, you know, this year with the uncertainty of uh, this virus and uh, what we'll be able to do and un- not do, uh, I know the Department of Agriculture in Arkansas, uh, you know, is really working sure. uh, with your local farmers to you know that we'll have somewhere to go with our product. Uh, you know, working with UAMS. Uh, uh, they have a division that was helping with farm to school, helping us move local products, and uh, you know I'm working with them. And uh, we, you know, it's just we're just going ahead as usual on the farm right now because we're not open. And then we, you know, 
everything we can do, the best practice, and then we'll just adjust when it's time to open to what we have to do. Exactly. Now, um, tell our listeners as well, there are other parts to your farm other than just, just strawberry production. You're doing some other things there, and, and, and what are those things? Well, I mean, we've been in the breeder hen business for 30 years, so we collect uh, uh, fertile eggs every day on one uh, part of our farm, and we're cow-calf operation, and then feed out to, you know, uh, uh, calves for our store. And, you know, we grow other produce here on the farm, too, uh, you know, uh, tomatoes and okra and cabbage and all the other produce to sell in our store, and then we have pumpkins in the fall. The and then a lot of times you've got, uh, and, and of course this isn't going to be happening now, but you've got uh, school tours that come in um, for uh, ag education and, and uh, ag tourism type things to visit the farm. So uh, you've got a pretty diversified operation there. Yeah, we have what we had called fun on the farm. We're in a three-day period. We have 900 kids plus parents come in and with Farm Bureau. Uh, the extension service is one that really puts it together and puts it on, but Farm Bureau, Farm Credit, uh, several other uh, organizations help put it on, and uh, it, it is really good for the, the young uh, students and their parents to see how things are grown and, and uh, what it takes on the farm to, to get it uh, to the public. But we had to cancel it this year So uh, with with this all going on, so... Uh, you know, we we hate that, but you know, we know we got to do what we got to do uh, to to stay away from people with this very serious with this virus. And it, it's unfortunate that fun on the farm had to be canceled again. I've attended that as well, and you've got all these stations where the kids go to and they learn about different facets of agriculture. I'm trying to think of the only benefit of not having fun on the farm is you're not going to have any kids picking those white flowers off of your strawberries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, we tell them, don't pick the white flowers because they love their view. But that is a berry in 30 days, you know. Don't exactly. pick the white flowers. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's uh, our, uh, what our listeners who don't know that about strawberries is every flower that's on a strawberry plant is a berry in 30 days, and, mm-hmm. and the kids love those flowers as much yeah. as they love those berries. Yeah, it's fun when they come back later with their parents. I hear them telling them, don't pick the flowers, you know. So, uh, you know, they get an education out of that. And, well, Randy Arnold, strawberry grower and farmer over in Alma, thank you so much for spending time with us. And, and just so our listeners know, this is the nature of farming. There's all kinds of stuff, whether it's weather, or I mean, you were you were telling me the other day on the phone you you might have to cover your fields because there was a potential frost. We um, did that, yes, and then a chance of hail two nights later that we missed. Thank goodness. Yeah, so there's plenty of things affecting farming. Uh, obviously, this COVID nineteen issue is another one, and you're dealing with it the best you can in the safest way, and to keep keep the product safe for everyone. Randy, thank you so much for. Uh, being with us on this edition of Arkansas AgCast, and we wish you the best as, as strawberry season rolls in for you. Well, thank you, and thank uh, Farm Bureau. Uh, they're, they're a great organization. And, and tell folks who are listening, uh, uh, you know, where they can locate your farm if they want to come pick berries when you're open. Uh, yes, we are uh, five miles north of Alma, right on 71 Highway, uh, you can look us up at uh, Arnold Strawberries on Facebook, and uh, that uh, you we, you can find out information when we're open, and uh, you know what is available on the farm. Randy Arnold, thank you so much for spending time with us on Arkansas AgCast today. So thank you. Lastly, we have part one of a two-part interview with ag economist John Anderson of the Bumpers College of Agricultural, Food, and Life Sciences at the University of Arkansas. In a wide-ranging interview, Anderson addresses the recent funding USDA received in the CARES legislation passed by Congress to address the coronavirus crisis. He also discusses issues facing the livestock industry and farm labor. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. We're talking to John Anderson. He's department chairperson 
with the University of Arkansas, Ag Economics and Business. John, welcome. Greg, it's good to be here. Um, obviously, a lot going on with uh, Ag Economics and Business with the uh, coronavirus issues, the slowdowns in the economy, the empty grocery store shelves. Uh, Congress recently pushed through a $2 trillion stimulus package that included money for agriculture. Um, what are some of the highlights or details? <laughs> well, I would say there are quite a few highlights, but not very many details at this point. Uh, you know, anytime you get a law out of Congress, especially one that's uh, that's a fairly major piece of legislation like this one, $2 trillion is a lot of money. Uh, when you get these kind of uh, – these kind of uh, legislations coming down, uh, it's always really important to see what the rules are, right? We've got to write the rules and regulations and, and see how this is going to going to be put together. And I think this is that's more the case with this uh, this law than most others because Congress was doing everything they could to move as fast as they could to get money out the door, and so. In terms of highlights, there are a lot of things we can point to, you know, related to agriculture directly, related to rural communities, related to nutrition programs. Uh, but the details we don't have a lot of. What a lot of this bill amounts to, and not just in the ag sector, but really across the board, is basically here's the money, here's the cabinet agency it's going to. They're going to figure out the rules for getting it out the door. And so that's really what we have in this uh, in this act for the most part. Well, let's let's focus on some of those highlights then, because obviously, with any federal legislation, you and I both know, and our producers certainly know, the details take a while to get out. But what Absolutely. are some of the highlights? So the highlights, specifically for production agriculture, and and what I've been getting the most uh, uh, the most feedback and comments on is the direct support to producers, and there are a, a couple of big chunks, some a couple of big blocks related to that. Uh, the first of those is that the CARES Act uh, puts $14 billion uh, back into the Commodity Credit Corporation. So uh, basically it's called a replenishment. So we've, we've topped up the CCC, which is where most of our program crop payments come, come from. We've topped up the CCC with $14 billion. Uh, you know, I went and looked yesterday. Basically uh, the MFP program, over the, the since its inception has paid out about 14 billion and change, and so this basically uh, refills the CCC after the MFP program. And this, uh, I think, this uh, this is at least some indication that something will be forthcoming uh, for the program crop sector down the road. Now, what it looks like, again, we've got a long way to go on that, but the money's been put in place, and that's the key point. Right. The other. The other big block on the on the on the production act side is that nine and a half billion dollars has been allocated uh, to provide support for specialty crops, livestock, and dairy. And again, there's there's no indication of how that might be allocated among those sectors. That that's a pretty disparate group of of sectors, and uh, not an indication yet of specifically how that money will be put out. Again, the point is here's an allocation. Here's who it goes to. Right. So we've got uh looks like a total of twenty three and a half uh billion dollars. Yes, that, in in, uh, in that piece. Is in that piece. Is it enough? <laughs> you know, this is such a fluid situation, Greg, I think it's hard to say. You know, we are at the beginning of this uh of this situation, of this uh event and so it Honestly, it's impossible to say whether it's enough because we really don't know how big and how long-lasting this will be. You know, one thing about this disaster that is different uh, from, you know, the kind of normal disasters that we deal with in agriculture, a flood or a drought or a hurricane, those tend to be fairly discrete events. Uh, this is a really open-ended event, uh, and uh, that makes it really difficult to say whether it's enough or not. Uh, you know, the initial effects here may end up being very different from the long-term effects, and that's something that we're trying to do some work on in the Ag Econ and Agribusiness Department right now. Right. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. If you go to the grocery store right now, maybe not right now, but certainly a week ago, a week and a half ago, and you saw empty meat cases. 
right? Exactly. I mean, meat was flying off the shelves, and wholesale meat prices were going through the roof, and we actually got a little pop in in some of our farm-level prices, you know, arguably not as much as we should have, but uh, there was a positive effect there in the short run on that market. And uh, uh, can you say from that that, well, COVID-19 has been, has been good for the livestock sector? No, of course you can't. Uh, what was going on is that there was a lot of panic buying going on as people stockpiled food. That short-run effect is going to very quickly turn. Uh, you know, sure. we didn't really increase demand. We just pulled demand ahead. Now we're dealing with the loss of restaurant business. Uh, we're dealing with consumers drastically, I think, increasing their precautionary savings, which is going to have a negative impact on, on that sector. So uh, it's easy to be fooled by these short-run uh, episodes that we've seen. The long-run implications really are going to play out uh well into the future, and uh, it's it's really tough game out exactly what the impact will be. So, so what I'm hearing you say is you're able to come up with a pretty substantial list of questions to ask yourself as an economist, as an ag business person, but the answers aren't going to come around until this thing uh, has some time to play itself out and you figure out uh, how people respond to it. That's right. I think we can do a pretty good job right now, Greg, of identifying the factors that we need to be paying attention to. And uh, one way I've put it with people in the last few days is I'm fairly comfortable talking about uh, directional impacts, what, what's going to move what way and, 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 and over what time frame. Uh, but quantifying those impacts really is going to await much more complete data. You know, as economists, we love working with data, and we feel very comfortable when we can go get a whole lot of data and do analysis of that and come out with an answer. Well, I can do analysis right now in terms of, of, of talking about major considerations, but I don't really have data to do any analysis with. Well, what, what are some of the, uh, you know, if you were to, making a top three as far as those directional influences that you see right now that you're going to be wanting to get that data as it comes available to see it, see if some of those thoughts are actually uh, those theories paying out. Well, let's just kind of put things into categories. I would say uh, in, in simplest terms, we've got demand side impacts that we're going to be paying close attention to and supply side impacts that we'll be paying close attention to. Now, in Economics. both of those... Economics 51 from my college days. There, there you go. I mean, let's keep it simple, right? Uh, in in both of on both of those sides of the market, on the demand side and on the supply side, I think we've got both short run and long run considerations to think through. So we've got short run demand and supply impacts, and we've got long run demand and supply impacts. And so those are the major categories of things that I think we're going to be looking at. And, you know, the examples are fairly easy to come up with. You know, I gave you one already on the demand side with with meat. We've had a short run demand effect of panic buying. Okay, what does that mean? Well, immediately it's meant that wholesale prices have gone up uh, and that there have been at least localized shortages here and there long run, the demand picture looks very different, though, uh, again, as, as buying habits change because of the loss of restaurant trade, which is a huge deal for, uh, for, for our protein sector. Uh, the loss of, of school feeding programs is going to have an impact on certain product lines. Uh, precautionary savings by consumers, again, is going to depress things moving forward. Uh, long term on the demand side, we've got trade issues to think about. What what how are trading partners uh, affected by this event and what is that going to do to their purchases moving forward? And that'll be very country specific and that'll be very product specific depending on who those customers are. So that, that's an example of how I think we need to logically sort of sequence our evaluation of this event. We could do the same thing on the supply side. You know, in the short run, we've seen a surge of, of production, I think, as a lot of processors and handlers try to make sure they've got their supply chain as full as they can have it, anticipating that down the road, longer term, there'll be some supply chain disruptions, maybe if uh, uh, because of, uh, because of uh, illness, plants are closed, or workers are hard to get, or uh, transportation bottlenecks develop. Uh, 
Longer term, there'll be supply disruptions. And so uh, that's going to have maybe a, a more negative effect long term than what we've seen in the immediate term when it looks like things have actually, all things considered, moved pretty quickly through the system. How about, uh, let's look at, uh, and, and I'll give you some anecdotal evidence. Um, I don't have, you know, hard numbers, but I can give you anecdotal from conversations I'm having with, with producers. Um, for instance, let's look at beef. Um, the price for uh, calves had taken a big hit. Uh, yes. Starting in late January and has is pretty much been down overall. And so, a lot of the smaller producers um, that I talk to are holding on to uh, what they have. They're not sending them over to Oklahoma City to the market. Uh, versus uh, if you go to an even smaller subset of producers, the guys who do what we call freezer beef, you know, they're selling quarters and halves. And, right. And they, they can't, as, as soon as they make the announcement that they're going to sell something, it's gone before they, they can even – make it happen uh, uh the the butchering places processing places are are meeting the demand but that meets going out to consumers right yeah. away um yep. so what's what's happened in, in demand for meat is good and, and particularly for beef still uh why is that that those young calves uh kind of sitting on the farm still and not going to market well, I think there's a there there are a lot of things going on at once, Greg, that are that are that are confounding the situation. And I, honestly, I'm still trying to get my head around some of this. Right. Uh, now, I think we have to be really careful talking about demand and what our expectations of demand moving forward are. It is really difficult for me to look at uh, you know three million jobless claims in the report two weeks ago and six million jobless claims in the report this week and think that demand is going to hold up, particularly for beef. Uh, demand has been good, and I would say exceptionally good, in the very short run because everybody is stockpiling. There's a lot of panic buying going on. There's a lot of meat going into freezers. That's not the same thing as demand increasing. We're just pulling. We're we're basically borrowing from the future right now in terms of of, of meat demand in general and beef in particular. I think, and so uh, that has given us uh, again as 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 everybody is working to fill their supply chain up as much as they can. That's given us a pretty strong market down the road. I think we have to anticipate that falling off pretty rapidly because again I don't think I don't see anything in this situation that gives us a durable increase in demand I actually see it giving us a decline in demand but we're borrowing from those future periods right now and that can be deceptive so that's part of what's going on in the calf market right that those prices are anticipatory we're looking at those animals being being beef 5 months from now 6 months from now the situation then is extremely uncertain, probably more uncertain than I've ever seen it in my career. So that's part of why there's not just a you know a massive rally in, in, in that market right now. That's all for today's Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back with the second part of John Anderson's interview tomorrow.